0: This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad.
1: I'm completely down for today's show just being a Chris Paul show. If you've got CP3 stories, I want to hear them. 336-777-1600 because... It feels like it's finally happening for him. He's catching breaks, his team's winning in the playoffs, and he's the guy leading the way. And one thing I've always admired about Chris, and this might be his best personality trait among the many to choose between him. He's always present and self-aware. Those are just skills. I always tell Sarah Bradford this all the time, and even my friends as well when they complain about the way other people act, why did this person say this? Man, Why aren't they more sensitive? I have to remind her and my friends, most people lack self-awareness. It's a valuable trait. And I think Chris knows the moment he's currently in is the finest hour of his pro basketball career. Dating back to his days at Wake Forest and West Forsyth High School, he had this special ability of recognizing the gravity of the moment as it's happening. He, of course, dropped 61 uh, at West Forsyth right after he signed his letter of intent at Wake Forest. And the day after that, his grandfather was murdered at a service shop. His grandfather, 61 years old. He set a goal. He understood the moment. He was present in it. Even though the state record was six points away, the North Carolina state record for scoring, 61 was the goal. And he had, he hit the shot to get. 61, and he got fouled. He intentionally missed that free throw, went to the bench, and he hugged his dad in tears. It was a wonderful moment, and it was documented by ESPN, and it started the legend of Chris Paul. We had Ben Golliver on, who wrote a book about the NBA bubble with a ton of details. He wanted to come on our show specifically to outline how important Chris was specifically to making sure the NBA season went on. After Jacob Blake was killed in Milwaukee, that season, or in Kenosha, Wisconsin, excuse me, that season was on the brink of disintegrating in Orlando. Chris, he was the voice of reason. He understood the gravity, the weight of that moment. And I think he's doing the same thing now in the playoffs because he understands this is his moment. He recognizes this is his shot to contend for a title. He pulled out 37 from his bag. He averaged 25 and 10 in the sweep. He's the oldest player to ever do that. And if you watch the game, it felt like he could have had a lot more than 37. He was dominant. He could do whatever he wanted. He didn't attempt a three, Robert. 19 shots, 37 points. Over the series, the turnover-assist ratio... He had 41 assists to three turnovers. He was unbelievable. Yes, you have to acknowledge he's had some good fortune. There's no doubt. Most championship teams do. Most teams that have success in the playoffs do. But don't call him lucky. What's the old saying? That luck is just expectation meeting preparation? Nobody, I think, exemplifies that better than Chris, who at 36 is playing like he's 26. It's evidence... That if you do something well enough, long enough, you're going to have breaks go your way. Even if you're mediocre, you're going to get some breaks in your life. It's not, it might not happen on your schedule. It might not happen in your 20s or in your early 30s. It might be when you're 36 years old. Or maybe you have to wait until you're 40. But if you do something long enough in life, these opportunities are going to come your way. And Chris Paul, we're seeing it happen at 36 for him. It's finally breaking his way. Nikola Jokic getting thrown out of Game 4, facing a banged-up team that doesn't have Jamal Murray. Facing a banged-up Laker team, Anthony Davis and LeBron, both did not look like themselves, AD missing games. So Chris Paul, this is his finest hour. That's what we're watching. There's no juggernaut in the league. They have an opportunity to win the title. Now what's next? Either it's going to be the Clippers or the Utah Jazz. I bet he wants the Clippers. For the most practical reason, he has a home in Los Angeles. He played for the Clippers. Utah has this tremendous crowd on hand. They're allowing the most fans into their building. If you ask any player, toughest environments to play in in the league, Utah's always one of the first two or three mentioned. You don't want that if you're Chris. You'd rather play in the Staples Center sleep in your own bed, and on top of that, you'd get home court advantage. If L.A. wins tonight, we're looking at a six or seven game series. If L.A. wins that series, it's going to be six or seven games. That's more rest for a guy who needs it. Plus, I think Utah's a better team than Phoenix. It's marginal. It'd be a tremendous series, but I said this weeks ago. I think Utah's a better team than Phoenix. I don't think it's a great matchup, even though Phoenix had their way with Utah in the regular season. Chris Paul, he wants the Clippers. Half that crowd is probably going to be rooting for Chris. Okay, I asked for Chris Paul stories. I think we're getting Chris Paul stories. 336-777-1600. Let's go to Tim in Ashboro. Tim, give me your CP3 story.
2: Uh, hey, Josh. Um, I'm a first-time caller. Um, so I don't remember if you recall um, the East-West All-Star game that he was in his senior year. Um but anyway, he was you know a, you know played for the West team, and PJ Tucker played for the East team, mm. and he was I think if I do if I recall I think PJ was the MVP and Paul he was more trying to you know more do the you know dishing out and everything uh, but I just recall because I never heard of PJ Tucker and I just recall how. How really good he was, you know, that particular day, and and then he, you know, of course went on to Texas, uh, but that was just kind of weird. Those those two particular players, you know, are, you know, really pivotal in the you know in the playoffs right now, and I just thought it was kind of odd they they've been in the East-West game.
1: I, I I find that crazy. I that PJ Tucker's still doing his thing right now. It's a good point you bring up. I've heard the story before about PJ Tucker going head to head with Chris, and I appreciate you sharing it with us, Tim. And I hope you call more often. That's Tim and Ashboro there. CP3, he wanted to go to North Carolina, Robert. But Matt Doherty, infamously, had already signed Raymond Felton and said, you know what, we don't need two point guards. That would have been an insane backcourt.
3: <laughs> it would be a lot harder for me to dig Chris Paul as much as I do if he went to Carolina. Is that right? Oh, yeah. And you
1: have I issues with Carolina fans.
3: I don't think that's anything new. Uh, I'm just usually not a big fan. Bdot is about the only UNC fan aside from a couple callers here and you. You being a big UNC fan that I can really deal with.
1: Hold one second. I'm a UNC fan now.
3: Yeah, you've always been a, a, a Carolina homer.
1: Yes, that's exactly what I am. I think you're somebody. This you let me know if I'm wrong on this. Your fandom generally, you do not like the front runners. You never really like the front runners. See, you're a Ravens fan. Obviously, you hate the Steelers if you're a Ravens fan. But I think something you hate about the Steelers, there are just so many Steeler fans everywhere, and they've won all those Super Bowls. Y- you just don't like front runners, and I-, I think there are a lot of fans like that that don't like the front runners in sports.
3: It's not so much that the I don't like the front runners. I don't have any problem with like the front runners this year in the NBA or, or generally. It's mostly the Steelers are rivals, and I think that's where it comes from with me. Uh, being going to ECU, and I remember going to a Carolina uh, football game. We were playing in Carolina, and I had some friends that went to Carolina. They are like, oh, come to this party. Come up here. It's going to be so much fun. And then we get there, and then it's like, oh, who do you know here? Who is this? And I have I never, ever, ever, I, I've been to a bunch of colleges, partied in a bunch of places, had that issue anywhere, anywhere, but yeah. if you go to Carolina, it's, it's like this elitist thing, like they're better than you or something. So, I mean, oh. I've, I've always held that with me. Like, you guys are not that much better than us. In fact, I was good enough to go to your school. I didn't want to go to your school uh, because it's so hoity-toity and your nose is so far up in the air. That's just how I feel about it. You can if like them. I get you like them. If em.
1: you are a dude, it is an experience I think a lot of people have that you're wanting to get in fights with the guys. I've heard that from several people over the years. I get that. And I also went to East Carolina. So I don't think your opinion is that uh, unrepresented there. Oh, we've got an update on Kyrie Irving's ankle. Should we get to a call before we get to Kyrie's ankle? That's what we call a tease there. Let's go to Mark in Greensboro very quickly before we get to Kyrie. Mark, what do you have for me today?
4: What's up, man? Hey, listen, um, I I respect Chris Paul's game. But I just don't understand how he's, like, I feel like he's getting a lot of love, and I I don't understand how a guy who has repeatedly hit people in the nether regions continues to, like, that, he, like, he literally outlives that. He did it in college, he's done it in the pros. Like, it's not, it's not something that he's done by accident, right? So that to me is, like, you never hear about that. I think I heard it on the radio uh, on, like, a morning show. Some NC State fan called up and said, Do you remember when Julius Hodge got hit in the junk? We're talking about Chris Paul.
1: I got a Uh, question for you. I got a question for you, Mark. If Chris Paul went to North Carolina rather than Wake, and I think Joe Ovius asked this question, my friend in Raleigh on social media, and it was in some alternate universe, Chris doing that to Jules in the UNC-NC State game rather than Wake and State, how is Chris Paul thought differently in this state, thought of differently? Uh,
4: you know what? I, I don't know if that would be the, the the. I don't know if that's the right question. It's like, dude, he played for one of the big four. Wake Forest was a top ten team when he was there. He's got this great legacy there. And no disrespect, you know, I love Steve Forbes and what he's trying to do over there. I'm not trying to bang on Wake Forest. I just think it's I think it's just really weird that people are like, ah, we'll sweep that under the rug. You know, whatever he hits people in, you know the the. Do you think it's
1: by association? I like uh, this is the only explanation I could come up with where. A Rod becomes more likable and more beloved, air quotes, because he is uh, in a relationship with Jennifer Lopez, who everybody loves. Not anymore. If if yeah, not anymore. <laughs> if LeBron James, since Chris Paul seemed to be LeBron James' best buddy, and he's done a lot of stuff in social activism, that they're able to look past a lot of the other stuff on the floor. Do you think by association Maybe, that's I, I, probably? I it.
4: think by listen if, if he's associated with LeBron, he should get more hate. You know how much hate LeBron James gets? Enough. Like the slander, the slander of LeBron James is so much worse than what anything Chris Paul has ever gotten. And I don't see, I don't see LeBron the hit, as far as I'm concerned. The only thing that he does, LeBron James does egregious is sometimes he puts his foot in the mouth in his mouth over stuff that he probably doesn't understand fully, and that's fine. He's entitled to his opinion. And flopping like he's been hit by uh, Conor McGregor left hand. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like those are those are the only things that I I can criticize him for. He's never blatantly you know chopped you know uh, D- D- Draymond Green in the finals. You know what I mean? Like I just I don't I don't I don't see why that's totally like you want stories. Like I just feel like not enough people talk about how many times this guy has done that.
1: I have I another theory. It. Thank you for the phone call, Mark. I appreciate it. My other theory is. It's what you look like, right? When Steph Curry throws his mouthpiece in the finals and hits somebody in the first row, it's received a lot differently because Steph Curry, this image has been uh, procured that has Steph Curry as your next-door neighbor, the most beloved person there is, perfect family man, all of it. Chris Paul, I think it's a lot of that too because of the State Farm commercials and all of it. And I think it's because he's a six-foot guard. He's not seen to be this imposing guy. So maybe that's another reason why we're willing to look past a number of things. Here's that important update on Kyrie Irving's ankle. This is according to Steve Nash himself. Steve Nash, meeting with the media today, says that Kyrie's going to miss tomorrow's Game 5 with a sprained ankle. He adds he has no idea whether or not Kyrie's going to be able to return in the series versus Milwaukee. This might be an unpopular opinion. I don't know if a lot of people agree with me on this. I think regardless if Kyrie returns, the Nets aren't a finals team. They looked awesome in games one and two. But the NBA playoffs, by design, you got to win four best of seven series. There's a physical strain element to it. And much like the way you should probably check the uh, when you're buying a used car, the car history report online, you probably should check the car history report on this Brooklyn Nets team when they came together because Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant, it's not the best injury situations. It's not the best track record here. The injuries, they're not isolated incidents. It's who they are. And I think we could see this all along, the way that I saw it with the L.A. Lakers, when I said back when they were the favorites, according to Vegas, to win the finals, they're not a team that's going to win. Oh, you're just being contrarian, John. That's the way I felt about the Nets. And even if Kyrie did return in Game 6, or even if he returned tomorrow, I don't think this is a team that would have been able to survive. Tough enough to get past Philly and the physical defense they play, or Utah, or the Clippers. Or Phoenix. I think it would be too tough, and you can't rely on that team to be on the floor enough to win games. It's not just talent that gets you by. That's a misnomer in the NBA. Oh, it's just talent that gets you these titles. Case in points, the Miami Big Three. That Big Three gave Miami more talent than anybody else they played those four years they went to the Finals. They came away with two championships, and it was almost just one because Ray Allen hit the corner three in 2013, five points in the final 24 seconds. If Tim Duncan's on the floor there, grabs a rebound, well, we're talking about the Spurs winning a title and LeBron getting one championship in those four years. James Harden, Kyrie, and Durant have only played eight games together this year. That's staggering. Remember when they lost to Dallas that first year together, that Miami Big 3? Chemistry was to blame. They hadn't played together enough. And they played an entire season together. Eight games for Harden, Durant, and Kyrie this year. It's, it's not enough. So this doesn't surprise me that there's an injury. And even if Kyrie came back, he's not going to rescue the day. This Nets team's not going to win a title. I'm hoping it's Chris and, and Phoenix. I really do. I'm rooting for them. But um, it's not going to be the Nets.
0: I guess he knows what he's doing. He can't argue with success, right? Right. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports.
5: A couple years ago, they was write me off. You can't do this. And this ain't about me. It's about us. Show you what you can do when you come together as a team.
1: How was Chris Paul after sweeping the Denver Nuggets last night? And I think he's right on the mark. There, there were some criticizing that comment. Oh, you're saying that you were written off. Oh, you're somebody that nobody believes in, yet you're an all-star almost every single year. Come on, Chris Paul. We'll get to more of that post-game in a bit. We're being joined by the assistant coach at Duke, who I'm sure with the head coach's news of the last couple of weeks have had an interesting i think 14 days or so you look at the recruiting cycle starting june the 1st you can host official visits and unofficial visits all sports are dealing with this nolan smith now with us uh here in the triad coach how would you describe what the last few weeks have been like in your part of the world
5: oh man it's been it's been crazy it's been a lot going on uh Obviously, a lot of news with coach announcing his retirement, but it's it's exciting news. All of this been very exciting news for our program with getting ready to enjoy coach's last season. Hopefully, with a lot of wins and hopefully send him out on a very very high note. And then with the news of a uh, coach Shire becoming the head coach, who's obviously my national championship teammate and brother and friend, who I couldn't be more excited for him to take the reins and help him keep this thing heading in the right direction that it's been going in.
1: Paint the picture for me on the recruiting side though, now that you're able to have recruits in the building, since Kay's announcement, what's the most common question you've been asked by recruits?
5: Um, is is Coach Kay still around? <laughs> is he still around? And the answer is yes. Um, you know, he's still gonna be around, he's gonna be an ambassador for the university and you know, obviously with his blessings of of, of, of Coach Shire as the head coach and us as a staff Um, he's around and he's in full support of us. And I think a lot of these young guys that we're recruiting, they just want to know that he's he's still a part of this thing right now.
1: Nolan Smith with us here, Duke men's basketball assistant coach. Did you get a chance to watch CP3 last night?
5: Absolutely. Absolutely, I did.
1: Oh, my goodness, man. He's 36 years old. He is 36, Nolan, and he's dropping 37 on Fools and sending Phoenix to the conference finals.
5: Look, it's it's impressive. I mean, I know there's 36 year olds right now at the 24 hour finish wishing they could still do it, <laughs> get up and down even a little bit. And for him, so for him to be doing that at, in at that level, um, at, at the the way he's doing it, getting to his mid range shot, making it look super easy. I mean, it's it's impressive. Chris Paul is hands down one of if not the best point guard of all time. Uh, my favorite is Magic Johnson. Let me just go ahead and say that now. <laughs> all
1: right. Yeah. What separates though Chris from point guards you've either faced or seen up close uh, or that you've even coached with or against at Duke. What makes Chris special among point guards in this generation?
5: His IQ. His his, his IQ and his pace makes him so dangerous. And at 36, year, six, 36 years old, he shows how how special he is because he's able to get wherever he wants on the court. He's controlling the game. He's controlling the pick and roll. He controls the whole... The whole court. He controls the whole court, and he's a coach on the court. You know, that's one thing that's always – I've always noticed about him is that, you know, much like every point guard who's ever played this game, you're supposed to be a coach on the court. None have done it better than him. You know, he is really a coach who controls everything.
1: Have you ever met Magic Johnson?
5: I have. I have.
1: Okay. Did you fanboy out like Coach K when he met Beyonce?
5: <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. He came, he came up to me – um, it was actually during a do. I think we had played Michigan State. and He came to me and said, "Hey, he he mentioned my dad. That you know him. And my dad were good friends back in the day, playing against each other. And you know, I think it was before a game, so I didn't I didn't really have a chance to fanboy out. But <laughs> you know, it was exciting that he even knew who I was. Come and came up to speak to me,
1: Robert. That's always the move, right? Nolan's with us here, Nolan Smith. Like if you see your idol. You gotta play it cool and act like it's not that big of a deal. I know you were getting ready for the game, but that's the move, right? Hey, oh yeah, it's nice to meet you, Magic Johnson.
5: Oh yeah, y'all, y'all, you always gotta play it cool if you can.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's good to catch up with the Duke assistant coach, Nolan Smith, here on WSJS Sports. I know you might not want to uh, face this this fall, and I'm sure Coach K feels the same way, but. I'm just imagining what kind of spectacle it would be if later this month the ACC Big Ten Challenge announced that you guys had to go back to College Park for the first time (laughs) since uh, Maryland has joined the Big Ten Conference. Either as a player or an assistant coach, which road environment do you remember to be most hostile?
5: Oh, Maryland, by far. Is it? Um, Yes Maryland by far I mean in- carolina obviously is a is a tough environment at Dean Dome, but Maryland, by far, I mean they're fans I mean I'm from Maryland, that's home, and I know I know how people are back home about basketball, and you know they can be they can be pretty nasty when it comes to games so yeah, the Maryland fans are by far the most hostile environment. It's somewhere my mom couldn't go to a game for four years. Is that <laughs> just, right? Just, just just to avoid just the hostile environment with her son being from Maryland. and Their fans knew all that stuff, so you never knew what was going to be said to you. So you tried you try to avoid that. Uh, my mom did.
1: <laughs> I don't think you got it as bad as Shire or no. maybe even JJ. JJ probably got it the worst.
5: Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, nah, no, nobody got that. Um, Greg Paulus, he got it pretty oh. bad up there. Um, but yeah, no, nah, if they if they if they were to do that, that would be a very interesting environment. That obviously we wouldn't we wouldn't shy away from it. Obviously, we've gone up there and handled our business um, plenty of times, so that would, that would be exciting. But you know, they would definitely have to bulk up the security if that was one last time for Coach K.
1: <laughs> when did you get an idea of the Coach K retirement news? um
5: probably a couple of weeks after the season um coach just kind of you know started letting us know that he was going to take some time with, with his wife and you know figure out his next step so soon as soon as he mentioned that to us we knew it was kind of close to getting to that stage where he was going to call it you know call it in and let us know he's gonna have one more year and then you know once he once he came back from that vacation he told us you know this is it you know my, my wife and i were at peace with everything and, you know, after this season, we're gonna we're gonna step away. Um, it was it was it, it hurts to hear it come from him because you you always feel like legends should never stop coaching or never stop playing. Whenever legends walk away from their sport, it's always a sad day. But he was he was at peace. He was happy. So you know, someone who's uh, admired him and loved him for so long. Um, I was I was happy to hear him uh, announce that to us.
1: Were you surprised at first? It was Shire.
5: Not at all not at all. You know, we, we talked internally and, you know, just we all knew it was a good plan and a good succession plan to keep just for the uh, continuation of our recruiting and everything that we have going on here.
1: Is the working relationship between coach K and John different than what you've seen with some of the other assistants when you consider they're both from Chicago and John was this, this guy who was running the team along with you for a national title team in 2010. Like what does that working relationship look like between John and coach?
5: Yeah. I mean, I think it was the same, you know, being, being around as a player w- with watching him with coach Wojo and, and coach Collins and then from coach Capel and coach Dawkins, all the guys that he's had. I mean, I feel like he gave all of them the freedom to, to run practices, to have a voice and, He's done that the last couple of years with with Coach Shire. So, but obviously they 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 make their Chicago jokes. They're both Cubs fans, so they they have their inside jokes as well. With and especially your closeness coming from the same same area. I won't say the same city. You know, we all know Coach Shire is from, from Glenbrook <laughs> North, um, but uh, they're, they're 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 from the same area, and um, you know I think that definitely makes it special. You know, two guys now becoming the head coach of Duke from Chicago. I mean, I think that's a, a very cool thing. I know they share that bond.
1: It's Nolan Smith with us here. I've got to know, how many pairs of sneakers do you have in your rotation? I know you're a sneaker guy.
5: Yeah. Um, I, lo- I love sneakers. I love sneakers. And like listen I- to
1: what I'm asking. I'm not saying how many are in your closet. How many are in the working rotation?
5: Working rotation, I probably keep about – 14 pairs in work in rotation, um, that I tend to wear to work each week. Most of them are like my comfortable Air Force Ones, some Air Max 97s, Air Max 95s, Mm. Air Max Ones. I love Air Maxes. Air Maxes are probably the best, just casual Nike that look good. Um, but then other than that, I I have a huge, huge, uh... Huge supply of Jordans. I love Jordans. Jordan 11s are my favorite. <laughs>
1: the last pair of sneakers you bought were?
5: Last pair of sneakers I bought were... Uh, I just recently got a pair of Jordan 1s. Um, All right. Jordan 1s, Jordan and I got a pair of Dunks as well.
1: I actually got a pair of Jordan 1s recently. See, our mutual friend, BDOT, he's been hooking me up here just with some advice what ki- <laughs> what types of sneakers I should be wearing here. Josh, stay away from the low cut or uh, the low top. Stay away from these. Stay away or get these. These are cool. So here's what I got in my closet. And I'm a novice. Again, I'm looking to add and always upgrade the closet if I get a chance. I've got yep. uh, some Chicago Bulls Jordan 3s. I've got mm. Royal Toe Jordan 1s. And I've got mm. some black and white Zions now. Bought a pair of Zions okay. recently.
5: Okay, okay, that's a good pickup. That's a good pickup.
1: No elevens though.
5: You can't you can't go wrong with Jordan Ones. That's probably my second favorite, but probably for casual outings, I probably go with Jordan Ones more than Jordan Eleven. So if you can keep your closet with some Jordan Ones, you got you got some good feet.
1: All right. I'm I'm writing that all down. It's good here. Uh you're always welcome on in the triad. Appreciate uh you spending the time. Maybe we'll catch you one of these times on Instagram and Dot the next time we do it on IG. How's that sound? Absolutely. Most definitely. I'll tap in. Appreciate you. Appreciate you having me on. Congratulations, by the way, too, Nolan. <laughs> Thank you so much. There you go. That's Nolan Smith. Appreciate the time from the Duke assistant basketball coach. There you go. 14 in his rotation. I think it's about a good rotation. See, I, Robert, I don't know how many different pairs of shoes you wear, but... I've got uh, I've got some semi-formal shoes today, and I've got a couple of comfort wear shoes. I've got three pairs of basketball shoes that I rotate between. So I'm looking at about 10 or 11 pairs of shoes in my rotation. How many are you rocking with?
3: I wear Crocs to work every day. <laughs>
1: not the only pair of shoes you wear, though. Like, when you're on the lake, you're wearing Crocs? Yes. When's the last time you weren't wearing Crocs?
3: Uh, this morning when I got out of the shower. You wear shower shoes? No, I don't. I just wasn't wearing Crocs.
1: <laughs> Intern Cole, are you in double digits?
3: Uh, I'm not quite a double digits, but I have a good rotation of vans. I really like vans. Oh, you're a van guy. Yeah, big van guy.
1: Does that mean you skateboard too?
3: No, don't skateboard.
1: All right.
3: Just the comfort, the the price. Can't beat it.
1: I need oh. to upgrade my shoe game a little bit. A little bit. I need to upgrade things.
3: I love it there where he's like going through his shoes, and you're like, ah. But if I showed you those shoes, he said right there, Air Maxes. No, nah, it was it. It wasn't just that. He said a specific shoe, and you're like, ah. But I don't think you'd be able to pick it out from a lineup.
1: We'll find that out. WSGS, Winston Salem, and Greensboro, WPC, in Burlington, WMFR, High Point are the signals you're listening to, making up WSGS Sports. I'm- I need the advice
0: <clears throat> of a professional. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports.
1: It's time for Graham's Grades. Recapping the weekend with letter grades A through F. And there's a lot to recap, so let's not waste any more time.
0: Every week is a test for your favorite sports teams. We don't need no education. Who passed the test? If one of y'all says some silly ass name. Who dropped the ball? I don't know. Josh Graham has the answers. I think you're very condescending and a know-it-all. Hey, teacher, leave
1: kids alone. Time for Graham's grades. We start with the very good first. The stuff that The grades that me and Robert aspired to get and our intern Cole, I'm sure, always got and still continues to get as a student at Elon. A. The law of the wolf. Joe Giglio coined this when he was a beat writer for NC State and Raleigh, now a sports radio host over there. When you least expect the pack to do something, that's when they act at their best. NC State one and eight to start the season lost game one of this best of three regional 21 to two yet took out the number one team in the country the most dominant college baseball team arguably we've seen in the past decade in dramatic style last night you got the Jose Torres home run and the ninth to put the pack ahead they closed things out with solid pitching. An efficient bottom of the ninth. The law of the wolf was in full effect for NC State, really all throughout this season, but certainly this weekend against Arkansas. B. Chris Paul, but also sons and four guy. We're talking about the guy getting in fights in Denver and winning those fights about as convincingly as Chris Paul and his sons did on the court. Sons in four. Sons in four. CP3. Gotta love it for the triad. In the conference finals. An opportunity to get to his first NBA finals. And I've got a feeling he's not going to have to wait. Uh, It depends on who the conference final is matchup is. In fact, you know what? I want to hold off on this. We'll talk more about Chris Paul in about 10 minutes, but CP3 and Suns and 4Guy, both impressive performances over the weekend. Robert, which of the two would you say is more impressive? Chris Paul averaging 25 and 10 over the entire series, a sweep, or Suns in 4Guy really taking up for his friend to the point where the guy relented and cowered off in his own arena.
3: I thought you were talking about like the old Ren Ten Ten movie, *Law of the Wolf*. I was like, "Oh, Josh is watching 60s westerns again. That's cool." Uh, I'd probably lean Chris Paul, but he is my dude.
1: Not Suns in four guy. He's not your dude.
3: No, not at all. He he just ran up on two little punks and got lucky, slung it through a few at him. I mean, good for him. He got he's getting his day in the sun now. But
1: great awareness too. It's a great time to throw in the basketball Suns and Four. Just so dismissive of the Nuggets fan. Very dismissive stuff there. C. The Godfather, according to Sarah Bradford. We watched it on Saturday. She stayed awake. She was okay with the horse scene, which was a concern when we turned on the movie. And... After we got finished watching the three-hour flick, Sarah Bradford said, two and a half stars. It was okay. That's what she said. So I think two and a half stars, that is a C. That's what it is. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about it. Maybe you can help me out. 336-777-1600. Is it egregious if she gives it a two and a half considering how great the movie is or should I be happy that she stayed up for the entire thing usually she falls asleep during movies and actually found redeemable parts in it a 50 year old movie that is more a guy's movie than anything else I'm starting to spell out a plot line in the Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks you've got male movie where all the men love The Godfather and the women don't understand it I don't think that's the case I think she appreciated it It's just probably not her category of movie. So, according to Sarah Bradford, The Godfather is a C. D. Two college baseball things. ECU Vanderbilt home plate umpiring. Different umpires on Friday than Saturday. Robert, this is where I stand on officiating. I don't care if the officiating is good or bad. I'm not going to blame them if they're bad. Just be consistently bad. Be consistently bad for both teams. That's what I want. That wasn't the case in Vanderbilt. Now, I understand Vanderbilt, they have they earned home field advantage. They had a great crowd, including the Whistler, who I'm not a big fan of, but probably has some effect on the game. But... Some of these pitches, it just seemed like these two studs, Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter, who are set to become top five, maybe certainly top ten picks in the draft, were given favorable calls because of who they are, where they were playing at, and what program we're talking about here. ECU, there was a 3-1 pitch with the bases loaded in the top of the ninth inning that they called off the plate that literally was right down Main Street. Unbelievable. You have a senior catcher saying, well, this is right down Main Street. I could not throw a better pitch if I wanted to. And they're calling that a ball on a 3-1 count. And then every outside pitch that's framed even close to the plate was called a strike. That was frustrating. But I don't even think that was as bad as Arkansas's pitching strategy. Last weekend, this pitcher, Kevin Copps, who might be the best pitcher in America, threw 186 pitches. This weekend, getting set to throw, here he is, deciding game. He's throwing over 110 pitches, 115, and they're throwing this dude in the ninth inning at a tie game, which I didn't think was right. You're going to throw this kid's arm in the dirt before he gets set to become a top draft pick? That doesn't seem right. The broadcast was annoying and how much they were slobbering over this guy, but you do so when you have a star pitcher pitching in your game that you're broadcasting. I understand that. I have less issue with the TV crew than I do the coach deciding, we're going to pitch this guy into the ninth rather than protecting his future and also doing what's best for the team, I'd argue. The guy they replaced him with, Robert, after giving up the home run to Torres, a couple days before, had already thrown close to 100 pitches. Just no regard for the health of these pitchers and their arms. It was wrong when Mike Fox was doing it at North Carolina a decade ago. I called him out then, and I'm going to call out this Arkansas coach the same way. In college baseball... They, in the tournament, get away with so much with how they push these kids. There has to be somebody holding them accountable to make sure their futures are held intact. Because, man, that was a tough watch yesterday. F. This is an easy F. The Bojangles in Kernersville telling me that they're sold out of Cajun chicken biscuits this morning. Robert, this was before the lunch hour hit. I was grabbing a biscuit at 10.30 in the morning. No chicken biscuits? What? Guess what I got instead? I got chicken Supremes, which I thought was what we were missing out on with the chicken shortage. I didn't ask any questions. Why do you not have... A Cajun Biscuit maybe it was a biscuit shortage nope in my Supremes box. I've got a biscuit right there It was startling it had me thinking If Bojangles is short chicken biscuits Well, what can we rely on in this economy? What can we rely on from a fast food perspective if Bojangles doesn't have chicken biscuits? Is there anything that is sustainable? In the world, Robert. I don't know, man. It's just kind of like
3: a, a shortage going on. Like, and it, if it's not a shortage, then like the the demand is driving the price up. So maybe it was still a little too expensive for him to get him. I don't know. I'm not in the restaurant management business, but that does stink that you weren't able to get your biscuit at 10:30.
1: Pretty tough. It was a tough blow, but I got the Supremes instead. There you have it. I actually like slathering the Cajun biscuit. With the Pimento Cheese now, I like Bojangles Pimento Cheese. I didn't think I would, but I do. Yes, so courageous. I deserve all of that.
0: Well, listen to this guy.
2: Hour after hour, what is this? The
0: Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. <laughs>
1: Nobody knows who, like our next guest does. At least among our reoccurring guests, Brian we will play out precise the guys in just a bit. BG does a lot of interesting stuff for accsports.com. You should shoot him a follow on Twitter if you haven't already, at bgeis underscore bird. BG, you're from the Triad, so would it be an exaggeration to say that your favorite basketball player is Chris Paul?
6: No, it would not be an exaggeration at all. Um, I grew up in a pretty special time to, to be in Winston-Salem, which was sort of like the rise of Chris Paul. Um, I remember as a little kid, uh, my mom taking me to the 2001 Frank Spencer Holiday Classic Tournament at the Joel Coliseum, where junior year Chris Paul, 20 years ago, uh, was leading West Forsyth High School. And as a massive Wake fan growing up, seeing him two years later go on to play there, seeing him at the West Forsyth YMCA, played for the same AAU organization that Chris Paul did, Captain Magic. Uh, so getting to be around that and to be a Wake fan at the time was was truly remarkable. And I mean, Chris has just gone to, gone to outer space since then. He's become a top three or five point guard in the history of basketball, first ballot Hall of Famer. And to see him as a six-foot guard, 36 years old, year 15, to be playing at this level, still a top-20 player in the NBA, is um, is almost without precedent. And then really, like, the last couple of games, his shot-making has just been um, on another level. So we always hold our breath here, if you're a Paul faithful like myself, because you want this guy to win a title so badly. It, it's the last thing I want. He really is, like, the last um, – sports bit of fandom I have from my childhood really really it's it he's the only guy only thing only team I don't even care about these teams like quite like I used to um he's it and so to see him especially too because you thought like he Paul and Phoenix were down for the count against LA with the shoulder injury and to see how he's bounced back since then is just Remarkable, but he's remarkable in everything he's done in his career. It just, it continues to amaze. It really does.
1: It would be ridiculous and short-sighted and just abhorrent recency bias to say that this is the best we've ever seen of Chris Paul, what he's doing right now. But in the context of the playoffs, is this the best we've seen of Chris specifically in the postseason?
6: It's tough to say. I mean, like you said, it, we're heavy on recency bias at the moment because not only is like he, not only is Chris playing well, it's just like he's been incredible. And last night, what he did uh, from the mid range again, just you know, lighting Denver's defense. He didn't
1: attempt a three.
6: On, five, I mean, it was insane. Yeah, he had 37 points on 23 true shot attempts without attempting a three, which is like, you know, seven footers. That with they're really really good they do that. Not and he could have had a lot six more too. One point guards. He had a, he had a hundred and two points in this four game sweep against Denver on fifty nine field goal attempts, but he only took eight threes. Ridiculous. Um, he's he is an incredible mid range shooter, and he is obviously like one of the greatest free throw shooters in the in the history of of basketball. But this is a great team, and the Suns are. I mean, you never you don't want to get ahead of yourself. These things change in the playoffs really really quickly, but man, they look good. And uh, now they get to, you know, sit back, get healthy and, and hopefully, you know, watch Utah and, and the Clippers beat up on one another a little bit. But yeah, no, I mean, this guy is, this guy really is without precedent. And it's crazy because he comes, I mean, he's right from, you know, Winston-Salem, Louisville, North Carolina. We are truly lucky to have this guy come from our, the small, this small little
1: corner of, uh, of the universe. Are they your favorites to win the title today? Now that we know that Kyrie isn't going to play oh. in Game Five, and there's no promise he's going to return at all.
6: Oh, um, I I guess as of right now, yes, I would have to have the, But that makes me really queasy to say. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll see. Like, if if Kyrie's able to, I mean, they, like Kyrie, no Kyrie, no Harden tonight in Game Five. Or pardon me, I guess that's to, uh, tomorrow night.
1: That is tomorrow night
6: tomorrow night yes excuse me you've got Hawks Sixers in the East tonight before Clippers Jazz but um I don't know I just think everybody's got really a a, as a puncher's chance at this point uh, except for Brooklyn amazingly if you know if Kyrie and Harden aren't going to come back this series then like you know they're in I mean they're in serious trouble I mean they have a good team and Durant is enough to carry you he's one of the ultimate weapons but I mean that it's just you build your team around those three stars because it because if one of those guys get down, then the goes down, then the other two can carry you. Um, when two of them go down and you've had to sort of like weaken your depth to acquire and build that core roster, it really puts you in a tough spot. But, like, I'm not counting out any of these teams right now. Um, Utah's look pretty good, and we'll see how Donovan Mitchell looks tonight. Uh, he's dealing with an ankle injury as well. I mean, all these teams are so beaten up. So I honestly feel like him healthiest seriously like throughout throughout the next two rounds like that's the team that's that's going to win um yeah. if you get two teams in at the you know, finals that are relatively healthy well then you know maybe we can we actually have like a bit of a fair fight but right now i mean it's just it's insane to see how injuries have swung this season and continue to have a massive massive impact on the uh the playoffs but i definitely want the suns to win the most and i just said this as a cursed sports fan it makes me queasy Uh, To then to anoint them as the favorites right now. So I'm just gonna say everybody has a good chance to to win the title. How about that? There you You go between the lines
1: Brian Geisiger super Chris Paul Homer joining us here on WSGS sports at be underscore bird Robert. I'm feeling lucky today. I'm feeling lucky it's time for out precise the guys.
0: Brian Geisinger is a basketball genius. Josh Graham, uh, is not. I'm smart, you're dumb. I'm big, you're little. I'm right, you're wrong. Listen as Brian launches half-court shots and Josh, well, double dribbles all over himself. And there's nothing you can do about it. Get off the bench and try to out-precise the Geis.
3: So the playoffs are raging on and that rage is going to continue today and out-precise the Geis. And there's a game behind the game, too. I know that Geisinger is smart. Like, I know you're a super smart dude. So I try to pick areas where you might not necessarily go to the stats. I'm so glad I did not go with how many three-pointers has Chris Paul (laughs) shot.
1: That was definitely on the docket, and I was worried. (laughs) He knows everything about Chris Paul. Like, if you look up how many follicles are on Chris Paul's head and or beard. I'm sure Geisiger has the exact number ready Four million seven hundred
3: thousand three hundred forty two. pull anyway. <laughs> yeah, Yeah,
6: which is, uh, that's more than how many turnovers he had against Denver, which was five combined <laughs> in the, the second round of the playoffs in well, case anyone else was uh, I thought it in. was
1: three. It was 41 to
3: three, I think.
1: I think it was 41 to five. Well, look, For don't,
3: don't sure. get into it. We're not going to out-precise gonna, the box score. We're going to out-precise fight.
1: the guys. I'm just yeah. trying to get him, I'm trying to push Rattle back. Me. You know, I'm trying to rattle him. That's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) Chris Paul might make an appearance, but
3: he's not the first one up as unlikely heroes arise in the Clippers' uh, Jazz semis as Nick Batum. He was the difference maker last week in precise the Geis. He was the difference maker in Game 3 as he steps up and plays the third most minutes and is the third highest scorer. How many points has he scored in the playoffs
1: this year? Oh, so first round, too.
6: Nick Batum, uh, Charlotte Hornets uh, legend. It is going to be amazing if we get Clippers going against the Suns for the Western Conference Finals when we get a uh, Frank Kaminsky, Nick Batum uh, reunion. It's <laughs> uh, bad battling out for the chance to go to the finals. Uh, Nick Batum also had seven dunks in the first round against Dallas. I'm stalling right now. But seven dunks in the first round against Dallas. He had three his entire last season uh, with the Hornets. So, yeah, he's picked it up a level. I will say 100 points. For one, Nicholas Batum in the playoffs here total.
1: I've got 117 written down because you're talking about seven-game series plus three so far in this. That just seems like a good number.
3: Paul George has scored 243 points. Kawhi Leonard has scored 203 points. Nick Batum has scored 95
1: points. Oh, by five guys takes the first unbelievable
6: man yeah I just went from I knew they had played 10 games and so I just assumed he was in that 10 points per game average so that was how I I came up with 100 there that's
3: smooth that's smooth Josh goes down kind of like Kyrie went down for the Nets leaving KD as the lone star standing from the Nets big three how many shots did KD miss on Sunday
6: Oof, it was not Kevin Durant's best performance. Raleigh's own P.J. Tucker uh, applying great defense on him. Um, 15 shots, I'll say.
3: I said 12. KD was 9 for 25 from the field. That is 16 misses
1: oh, for KD. <laughs> like guy, it's just... Yes. Uh, Some weeks you got yes. it. Some weeks you don't. And guys has got it. It's unbelievable. He's off by one. <laughs> yeah.
3: The Suns, look, they, they weren't off by one. They swept the Nuggets uh, out of the playoffs. You always
1: try for these transitions. Robert loves yeah. a transition just like he loves games that rhyme. And if yeah. it doesn't transition well or it doesn't rhyme, Robert wants to fight in the street.
3: Just trying to make it super efficient. <laughs> Much like the Suns were uh, against the Nuggets, you could say it was because of CP3, you could say it was because of Devin Booker, but I'm going to say it was because of free throw shootings. How many free throws did the Suns miss the entire series against the Nuggets?
6: Ooh. Not many, man. <laughs> Not many at all. Um, I'll say 17.
1: I've got seven written down.
3: Three in game one, two in game two, two in game three, two in game four. The Suns missed nine free throws. Let's go. Nine free throws, nine free throws nine. in the entire series against the Nuggets, that is insane to me. It's
6: it's ridiculous. Are
3: they the best free-throw shooting team? I didn't look up the stats, but I have to assume that it's either them or the Jazz as the best Uh, free-throw shooting teams that left in the playoffs.
6: It's actually the the Clippers. So, at least in the regular season, the Clippers set an NBA record for free-throw percentage this season, I believe. That's
3: crazy. Every game I looked at for the Suns in this last series was like, 92%, 93%. (laughs) And I was like, dang, man, when are y'all gonna miss one?
6: Either way... these dudes are locked in right now, and you mentioned Evan Booker, but man, how good has that guy been in the playoffs? Just like a stone cold killer. He's he's he really is a terrific, uh, one two punch with, with Chris Paul
1: on the way out. I think that if I'm Chris Paul, I'm wanting to play the Clippers, not the Jazz, because I get to sleep in my own bed in LA. He's got a house in LA, it's home court advantage. Half the crowd's going to be rooting for Chris anyway, Utah. Home court for them, it's an intimidating environment. NBA players always put it as one of the top two or three most difficult places to play. Utah also, I think, marginal, but I think more talented than Phoenix is. I think it's really close, but I think I think Utah has the edge there. I, I, I think if I'm Chris Paul, I have a better shot against the Clippers than the uh, Utah Jazz. What do you think?
6: Yeah, the Utah fans make that place scary to play for the wrong reasons uh, sometimes. Let's let's keep it all in good sportsmanship here, uh, Jazz fans. If that's oh, yeah. the matchup, um, the one thing I will say, and also by the way, if if they if it's the Clippers, Suns fans are going to take over that building. You saw them in Denver last night. Oh yeah, like a third of the arena was was Phoenix fans. The one the last thing Suns I'll say and four. To, yeah, the last thing I'll say with the Clippers. They've been playing a lot of small ball in the playoffs, sort of like mixing and matching, playing some of these these bigger lineups too. But if they play small and can switch a lot with Paul George, Pat Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, um, Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, that actually might give Chris a little bit of an issue. Um, There's no good matchups. Like all these teams are good. But really strong teams that have a lot of like wings that can play with their chest and swing around – that's the one sort of position type that can give Chris a little bit of trouble. Um, I mean, he's going to engineer his way into you know points and assists no matter what. But that that style of play does concern me a little bit. But of course, going up against Rudy Gobert in the pick and roll, I mean, that's no walk in the park either. So um, I just you just take whom you get and you roll with it. I think
1: later tonight, ten o'clock, it'll be Utah Clippers in LA. LA trying to tie the series up at two. BG, we'll talk to you next week, buddy. Sounds good. That's Brian Geisiger, accsports.com on Twitter at bguys underscore bird.